Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Love, thank you for coming into our lives and we wave our palms because we recognize that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so we ask this morning that you would walk into and step into our lives again in a new way. Help us to see you. Help us to respond to you. We pray, Lord, for those this morning who uh, have never allowed you to step in. Uh, And this morning, as you try to make your way into their lives, uh, we just pray that their hearts would begin to be opened even now. And that as you have uh, brought us so much joy and so much hope and so much peace and so much um, grace that Lord this morning they would experience that as well and we welcome them and we welcome you thank you for being here in the name of Jesus we pray amen now if you really get excited this morning you want to lift your hands instead of the the palm that's okay too Um, I uh, learned a new one last night at Tim Hawkins if you were at Tim Hawkins uh, there's a a new hand hand lifting thing it's called the uh, dead parachutist Okay, so if you're really into it, you know, go for it. Uh, we, we are uh, uh, talking about crossroads and decisions we have to make, um, and this morning is no different. I, I want to call your attention to John chapter 12. Uh, we're going to once again look at Jesus' uh, entry into Jerusalem, and there's so much going on here. Uh, I'm hoping this morning that we can see Uh, some of it uh, in a new way, and that we can see it for ourselves. As a matter of fact, as I read, I encourage you to put yourself there. Uh, How would you respond? Uh, What what would be your reaction um, when all this stuff begins to take place to Jesus? The scripture says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him And that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd was with him when he he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Getting ahead of myself. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. So we've been talking about those crossroads, those moments where we have to make decisions. And one of the things that I always find fascinating about those times when you have to make decisions is that um, we, we tend to believe that when we get in that situation, we will be able to think through which direction we want to go, and then we'll be able to make that choice, not based on what's going on around us, but rather based on a conscious, rational decision, because we are rational people. 
And so when we run into a situation, we're going to make the rational choice. We're going to go the way that uh, we think and have processed and thought through. And, and quite frankly, as we've been talking about Crossroads, I've said, you know, we need to be prepared, right? We need to think ahead, right? So that when those moments come, we make that choice that God would have us make. We, we've been talking about that week after week after week. Does Lent ever end? Yes. Yes, it does. Um, and so uh, this morning, I, I want to bring in something that um, kind of throws us off a little bit. Because you see, uh, what I've discovered is that uh, we don't always make those decisions based on rational things. Rather, we find ourselves caught up in the emotion of the moment. And by the way, that's not a bad thing, is it? Emotions can be great, folks, for those of you who are thinkers. I want you to know emotions are good things. I am an emotive person. And so uh, it's not bad to have emotion. As a matter of fact, it's great to have passion, isn't it? Uh, can you imagine if you went into marriage just with rational thought? Well, let's see, they have a good job. They're no, they got two eyes and nose and a mouth. Um, they, you know, they're, they're nice people. I'll go with it. You know, so so you, you get up and you make a, yes, yes, dear, uh, we're married because you are rationally the right person for me. Yeah, how long is that going to last, right? <laughs> until, until, yeah, until something changes, right? Oh, no, I made the wrong. Yeah, isn't it true that part of that, I hope, is that when you, you, you choose a spouse, if you choose a spouse, uh, that there's a passion behind that. Um, and, and quite frankly, I hope that your decision to follow Jesus Christ would not just be a rational one. I, I, I know that there may be, there's, a rational, there's a rationale behind it. There's a lot of, Jesus said, I am the truth, and there's ration behind it. It makes all kinds of sense. But I hope that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't say, well, Jesus, I'm following simply because uh, I believe this, 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 and this. I hope that you're following Jesus because you look at him and you see that he offers something awesome and exciting and that there's a passion inside of you to follow Jesus. I can tell you this, if there's not that passion, you're going to find yourselves in situations, at crossroads where you're going to have to decide and you're going to be lost because Jesus is going this way and it's scary and it's filled with emotion and you're going to have to decide, are you going to follow him? And if you don't have that passion in your soul, you may not. But God gives us emotions to help us make those choices filled with emotion at times so that we have a passion. The problem is sometimes emotions get confusing, don't they? And we have what we call mixed emotions. Uh, uh, the countdown timer this morning shared with you uh, the uh, trailer for that movie that came out a couple years ago, uh, Disney flick. Uh, well, Pixar actually uh, produced it but, or put it together and uh, Disney's the one that distributed it. But... Um, entitled Inside Out. Um, and in this movie, what they do is they show the inside emotions and, and, and then they show what's happening outside. And these are the emotions that they, they chose. Joy is in the middle there. Sadness is next to her. She was the last one you saw. Uh, she would be on your left. Right. She'd be on your right. Uh, anger is on Joy's left. Uh, and fear, you can see fear. Fear is very clear. And disgust. And those were the emotions that they brought out. And it, it's really kind of funny because it's a teenage mind that they spend most of the time in. And you know their emotions are all over the place. 
And so, uh, and hey, I was a teenager. I remember those days. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the reasons I didn't want to watch this movie is I remember those days. <laughs> and that wasn't fun when your emotions are all over the place and, and you're, not, you're not sure what's happening inside of you and everything's changing. And, uh, you know, if you're there, hey, all of us who are older have been there and we may look at you funny, but just know it's okay. You'll get through it. We did. And so we, we watch these emotions and they, they get all mixed up and sometimes you feel some, one thing and you feel another and you don't know which way. And when we come to a crossroads, that becomes very, very confusing. So this morning, I'm hoping we can sort out some emotions that will help us make the best choice, take the right path when we come to those crossroads that are filled with emotions. It's not bad, can be exciting, can even be uh, life-changing. When we get to that point, but, but we've got to be prepared for that because those emotions will come on us quickly and move us in many different directions. Uh, I love this, uh, this slide. Uh, I just lost my mood, mood ring, not sure how I feel about this. Okay, uh, so uh, remember the mood ring? <laughs> That's what, an 80s thing? Uh, some of those of you who are younger, you don't, you don't get that one. Uh, they, they had these rings that supposedly would change color with your mood. Uh, never worked with me, I don't know. But uh, it's a, lo- a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, we have all these emotions, so how do we sort them out? How do we deal with mixed emotions, uh, especially when we're trying to make uh, informed and good decisions to follow Jesus? Well, of course, this morning, uh, Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem. This is a powerful moment. You need to realize this is a moment filled with emotions. And the people have come out. And they have come out, they're, they're, they're in Jerusalem for the feast. Now, most, most scholars try to tell you the feast is Passover. I don't think that's true. I believe the, peace is, the, the feast is tabernacles. And, and so there's a whole lot of things going on with that that I don't have time to talk about. If you ever get a chance, sit down and Google, um, and if you have your phone, don't do it now, please. Uh, uh, Google uh, tabernacles, the feast of tabernacles, sometimes called the, the feast of booths. I try not to... I try not to use that because I always think I'm saying the Feast of Booths. That's not what it is. It's Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S. And and so you can look that up and begin to see how some of these happen. But one of the things that happens is that it's a celebration. They're already having lots of fun. Um, and, And they're together and they're excited about what God could do and has done in the past. And one of the things they're remembering is that when they came to uh, the promised land the first time, they rationally decided that they could not defeat the people in the promised land because they were too big. As a matter of fact, some of the spies came back and said, we look like grasshoppers compared to the giants in this land. No way. And so God says, hey, if you don't think that I can take care of this, then if that's your rational decision, if you don't think that I am big enough to do this, then I'm going to have you wander. And he had them wander for 40 years in the wilderness. And that's what Tabernacles is all about. They were wandering in the wilderness. So they remember they're wandering. You think, oh, that's a bad time. No, it's a great time. Because you see, God provided for everything they needed. Did you remember that? They were hungry. He provided manna. They were thirsty. He provided water. They're in the wilderness. That's desert wilderness, not like our wilderness where you're walking through the trees. We're talking desert wilderness. They, they, they got tired of one food that he was, he was pr- providing manna for them. They got tired of manna. So, so he provided quail for them. I don't know if you're into uh, wild game, but I, I, hear, 
I hear quail taste like chicken. Oh, no, that's everything else. <laughs> uh, and, and so uh, God was providing for everything they needed. They had all that they needed. God was right there all the time. So when they celebrated tabernacles, they celebrated the fact that even though they were unfaithful, God was faithful, and they were excited about what God had done, and they believed that God was going to do something even greater in their midst. He was going to come. He was going to send a Messiah, a king, who would come and rule Jerusalem again, just like in days of old. And they were so excited about that that when they heard Jesus was coming, they decided to come out of Jerusalem and meet him like they would a king. And and by the way, uh, for tabernacles, uh, they, they would go around the temple waving their palms. See, that's why they had palms. Didn't you ever ask that question? There aren't palms in Jerusalem. Did you know that? They're in En Gedi. They're quite a ways away. If you're going to have palms, you've got to get them from En Gedi and and they, of course, imported them for tabernacles, so they happened to have them. So they went out, and they're proclaiming Jesus, King, here he is, the Messiah, the Messiah. And they're yelling this, save us, save us. Well, what do they need to be saved from? Here they all are excited, but what is it that has kept them from feeling like um, they could actually celebrate fully in their lives? You ever have that problem? You ever go to a party on a bad day? It's not good. Everybody else is happy. Everybody else is celebrating. And here you are. Life isn't good. So what do you do? Who do you turn to? The psalmist in Psalm 118, which is the same psalm from which they get Hosanna, by the way, which means save us said, in my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. Isn't that awesome? He answered by setting me free. You see, we forget what God has done for us, and I don't want you to forget. And this, more, this, uh, this last week, I was reminded in a very powerful way what God has done for us and for me. Because we live in a world that is desperately broken. Desperately broken. I I did a funeral this week for a young boy, 21 years old. Um, And I I sat there and I watched this family uh, so broken. I I mean, the whole family was broken. It it was broken all the way across the board. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, they they were so broken that they kind of avoided me like the plague. Um, and so there was one lady sitting by herself, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to this lady. She's not getting away. She's sitting down. You know, that's always a good time to catch him. So uh, I, later on, I sat down next to another guy, started talking to him. He got up and left. <laughs> but, but this lady sat down, and I, I said to her, I said, you know, uh, I said, uh, how are you connected to this young boy? And she said, well, my sons were good friends with this young boy, and they'd ha- hang out together. I said, really? I said, so are your sons coming later for the service? She said, no, they can't. You see, they're both in jail. And I would like to tell you, she was the only one that had that kind of story. But everybody I talked to was broken in some way. And some broken desperately. That's the world that we live in. 
I walk amongst people who are broken all the time. We're all broken, aren't we? And we all have those places where we hurt and where we have been uh, offended or hurt or broken. Sometimes years ago as kids, maybe just recently, uh, sometimes relationships have failed. Sometimes we find ourselves um, standing at, at a bedside uh, and, and wondering why, why is this happening? You ever get there? And so our emotions are just all mixed up in those moments, by the way. And I, I remember I talked about Jewel. I remember standing there at Jewel, with Jewel as, as the doctor is saying this stuff. And, and I'm trying to think, how is the family responding to this? What, what, what are they hearing? And, and I knew what they were hearing. They weren't hearing good news. And inside of me, everything was all turned up. It was chaos for the moment. I, I just wanted to walk out of the room. I, I didn't want to be a part of that. I was having a tough day. I had to drive all the way to Cleveland. And when I got to Cleveland, there was a lot of people hurting there at the hospital. And I, I really wasn't in the mood. And I got up to the room expecting, actually I went to see Jewel first because I expected her to be wide awake and talking like she always was. That was my expectation, only to walk into the ICU and find out that she'd been having such an incredible struggle. And her family was struggling, everybody was struggling. I wanted to run the other way. I don't like this. This is chaos. My emotions were all churned up inside of me. And the doctor is saying, and he's talking about the Word of God, and I'm thinking, I should be talking about the Word of God. Here are the doctors talking about the Word of God. What's going on here? And we prayed together. That always helps, right? Thank you, Kenny. Kenny says no. It does help, but it doesn't always feel like it helps, right, Kenny? Kenny? I walked out of there and I thought, man, why did I even, why did I even come? And then I remembered the triumphal entry. Because see, what I remembered is that there's hope in this broken world. And with Jesus, there's always hope. Always hope. Not sometimes. There's always hope. You see, when those people came out to proclaim Jesus, they were looking for hope. They were broken. They were uh, under oppression. They wanted to be set free. They were in anguish. And they had put their hope in God. And here comes Jesus coming into Jerusalem. He was their hope. And for those who saw Him as He was and began to understand who He was, they were filled with hope. At this funeral, I got there and the funeral director said this. He said, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but he says, uh, the family has requested that, you play, that uh, we play um, Imagine by John Lennon. You remember that song? Some of you younger kids don't know that song. Uh, Imagine. And it goes, uh, at the end it says that we would all live as one, right? That's, I like that. But at the beginning it says, imagine there's no heaven. That's, that's how it starts right out. I'm thinking, why would you want this at a funeral of all places? Imagine there's no heaven. And so I said to the funeral director, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play that first, and then I'm going to walk in and correct it. And so we, we listened to that song. I didn't, I didn't walk in until the song was over. And then I walked in. I said, you know, I love the way that song ends because I want us to live as one. But I said, I've got to be honest with you. Why would you want to imagine there's no heaven at this moment right now? That you'll never see the one that died ever again. That this is all there is. 
That's the most hopeless feeling you could ever get. And I said, I'm here to tell you that Jesus came to this world to tell you that this is not all there is. And that if you would follow him, he would give you hope today and hope for eternity. And furthermore, I said, and those of you who are stuck in addiction and those of you who are broken in relationships and those of you who are hurting, I want you to know that Jesus could come into your life. He could march his way. I didn't say this, but I want to say this to you. He could march his way into your life today and begin to give you hope in the midst of your brokenness. Because that's the kind of God we have. And that's who Jesus is. He stepped in people's lives throughout his life and healed their brokenness. And we only frequently see the physical healing. I am reminded of the lady who had bled for 12 years. You remember that? And she touched just the hem of his garment because she didn't want to call attention to herself. She had suffered for 12 years. When you suffer physically for 12 years, it affects you not just physically. It starts to affect you up here and in your emotions. It affects you everywhere. And Jesus stops when she touches the hem of his garment and is healed immediately And he says, who touched me? And the disciples said, Jesus, you're nuts. Look at all the people around you. I mean, hundreds of people have touched you. No, no, no. He says, I felt the power of God. He turned around. And this woman, there she is. And she said, I did. And all of a sudden, she began to be healed more than just physically. You know why? Because now she had hope. Now she had hope. Some of us get so caught up in our brokenness that we lose sight of the hope that Jesus has brought into our lives. Jesus comes into our lives when we feel like all is lost and and through the cracks in the brokenness, he begins to bring life. As a matter of fact, Isaiah said this, those who hope in the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. Now I've got to tell you this story real quick. We don't have time, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, when I was in college, we had an evangelist come to the Southern Baptist Church I was serving. Um, his name was James Jones. Now for those of you who, uh, who are a little older, you may remember there was an evangelist named Jimmy Jones, uh, a pastor, uh, who, uh, pastor uh, who led a cult and got all these people out to an African nation and then had them all drink, um, yeah, poison and die. So on the, way, on the way, I picked the guy up from the airport and I said, on the way to the church, I said, I don't care what you do, but if you serve communion, I'm not taking it. <laughs> I said, he, he, he looked at me like, yeah, I've heard that a hundred times. Um, anyway, I remember him preaching on this passage. Because I remember him talking about how the eagle would spread its wings and would catch the wind. And as it caught the wind, it would move up. And it would soar. And it would move up. And it would move up. Not flapping its wings, just catching the the wind. It could move. And it could get higher and higher. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that image sticks with me because I always want to flap my wings to get higher. I'm going to get higher. And what I've discovered is the harder I flap my wings, I don't get much higher. 
But if I allow the hope of God to begin to fill my life, all of a sudden I am beginning to soar. See? When I face decisions in my life, too often I want to make those decisions based on the rational which direction should I go? Instead of asking the question, which direction is filled with hope? Sometimes I want to make the decision based on whether or not I feel comfortable here. Rather than saying, am I there to bring hope? We have an incredible opportunity, brothers and sisters in Christ, to bring hope to this world that's so broken and so lost. And some of you this morning are lost in that brokenness. And I just want you to know that Jesus marched into Jerusalem to bring hope into your life. Because He's got a life for you that's filled with soaring and running and excitement. He's just waiting for you to grab hold of that hope. In the midst of the decisions you're making that are stuck in the middle of your brokenness. We have an incredible hope. But I also want you to... to, to there's another emotion that frequently directs us. Can anybody tell me what emotion this is? Fear. Oh yeah. This is fear, right? Scared to death. Um, I, I often wonder uh, how... Uh, how we can make good decisions when, when our hearts are scared to death. It, it's difficult, isn't it? And you know what I found? A lot of times when I'm at a crossroads, I have to make a choice that's scary. And sometimes fear begins to just dominate my life. And so I don't know which way to turn. Because I, I feel like God wants me to go this way, but man, if I go that way, what, what's that going to look like? And How's that all going to work out? And I'm not sure I like that direction. Do you ever notice that those of the faith who have an incredible testimony are those who have gone the difficult road? As a matter of fact, think about it. You remember Jesus went to the garden? I don't know if he was afraid or not, but he certainly didn't like what was coming. I've got to imagine that somewhere deep in his heart there was that question and that concern and that a little bit of angst. If it had been me, scared to death. And I've been there many times. Scared to death. What's going to happen next? And I want you to see that when Jesus rides into Jerusalem, uh, the, the prophet says, do not be afraid. Did you catch that? Do not be afraid. Do you ever notice how many times that's in Scripture? Angels show up. Scary beings. And their first word is, do not be afraid. Right. Right. The prophet says, don't be afraid. Right. Yeah, come stand in my shoes. It gets scary. But the prophet says, don't be afraid. How can we not be afraid? Well, this is how. It says, see, your king is coming, riding on a donkey. One of, one of the, scripture, one of the uh, synoptic gospels says, gentle and riding. I like that better. Gentle and riding on a donkey. He comes in peace. As a matter of fact, that's the symbol of riding in on a donkey, that he comes not to destroy, but to bring peace. And that's what Jesus does. He comes into our lives to bring peace into our lives. As a matter of fact, one of the ways he does that is to remind us how much he loves us. And if he's in control of everything that happens in our lives because he loves us, and we've allowed him to do that, why should we be afraid? 
You see, your king is coming, and he wants to take that fear from you so that you can jump in. Fear is a mixed emotion, isn't it? You know, sometimes fear is a good thing. It keeps you from doing stupid things. Some of you need a little more fear. I've seen what you do. On the other hand, fear sometimes keeps you from doing things that are filled with adventure and grows you in spirit and in in strength and in understanding. You see, our king is coming and he comes in love and with that love, he casts out that fear. Perfect love drives out, I love that, drives out fear. Doesn't just take it away, drives it right out. When you are loved, you can do all kinds of things. I'm amazed at how children sometimes will do things that are scary because mom or dad is right there and they know they love them, so it's going to be okay. That's what God does for us. When the king comes into our lives and we allow him to work in our lives, he begins to remove those fears from us and allow us to stand strong and with courage. To put our cape on and say, hey, with God, all things are possible. And I'm going to follow him no no matter where he calls me because I know he will go with me. And it's going to be okay. I need not be afraid. And so God comes into our lives. Jesus comes into our lives this morning to give us peace. Many of you have been agitated for a long time. You've been afraid. Jesus this morning wants to offer you his peace. This is how it works. You you ask him to come into your life. And you you make him your king. And then he begins to direct what happens. That doesn't mean you won't face scary situations. But you'll be able to face them with peace. Peace in your life. It's an awesome thing to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to have that kind of peace, even in the most difficult and scary of circumstances. I've seen it over and over again as the Spirit of God comes into a situation that is scary as all get out, and there is peace. That's what He wants to offer you this morning. He came in and offered incredible hope, inner peace, and then He offers offers the most incredible thing, Did you notice in the scripture it says, and after Jesus was glorified, the disciples all of a sudden realized that everything that had been written about Jesus had taken place, which is incredible in itself. But this this is the part I like the best. And they had done it with him or to him. Did you catch that? Isn't that awesome? I, I mean... Think about that. God decided, Jesus decided to use his followers. Now, you know his followers. They weren't the best group. Did you ever catch that? I I mean, you know, we only know a lot about a few of them. There's uh, Thomas who denies him and Peter, I mean, who who, um, doubts him. There's Peter who denies him. There's Judas who betrays him. This is a good church. This is the kind of church that, you know, Probably most of us would fit right in, right? And and you stop and you say, and look, and in the end, what do they do? They all run. None of them stick with, well, there's a couple that kind of hang out a little bit. Uh, We we see John uh, was hanging out, in and out, uh, but but not really standing up for Jesus. No, no, Uh, none of them were good. As a matter of fact, they were all sinners. Did you know that? And God decided to use them as part of the story. They made their story, he made their story his story. Did you ever notice that? That's incredible stuff. 
Because what God has done is He has come and He's come among us so that He could use us. Uh, you know, the, the Catholics have this, uh, this theology that, that talks about the Immaculate Conception, right? Uh, do you remember that? Some of you former Catholics remember that, right? Uh, how, how um, you know, well, it really goes back to Mary's mom had to be perfect and then Mary had to be perfect uh, because certainly Jesus wouldn't be born to someone who was Imperfect. You know what? That, that, that's the saddest, in my mind, the saddest theology. And I'll tell you why. Because to me, it's exciting that God decided to take a sinner and have her have the baby, Jesus, his son. In other words, God decided to use a sinner to bring life into the world, his life, eternal life. And what's exciting about that is he's decided to use you to do the same thing. You see, he wants you to bring Jesus into the world. He wants to use you to bring that grace and that forgiveness into the world. He wants to use you, a sinner, just like me. And he wants us to be part of the story. The saddest thing that could happen is that you could get to the last days of your life and realize that you had no part in God's story. The best thing that could happen is that you get to the end of your life and all of a sudden you begin to realize that God has been using you in powerful ways all the time and you hadn't even recognized it. You ever have somebody come up to you and say, you know, you really made a difference in my life. You say, well, how's that? Well, you said this, you know, 20 years ago. It's like, what? I don't remember saying that. But God was there. And God was, do you understand that's what God wants to do in your life? He wants to use you. And that's amazing grace. You see, when Jesus comes into our lives and we ask him to come in, he's not going to force his way in. You've got to ask him. He's waiting. He wants to. Scripture says it's like he's knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to come in. He's knocking, but it's up to you. Are you going to open the door? Are you going to say, no, I don't want you in my life? If you open the door, he comes in. And first thing he does is he forgives you of all those things that you screwed up in the past. You say to me, well, I've been pretty good. Yeah, let me talk to your spouse or to your kids. We'll find out the truth. (laughs) They'll say, yeah, he was pretty good. Do you ever do anything wrong? Oh, yeah. Really? Scripture says that God's bar is perfection. And if you haven't hit perfection, you can't make it to heaven. You can't experience the hope we've been talking about. That peace that Jesus offers you isn't going to be there in a powerful way if you don't ask him to come in and and forgive you. Now, the neat thing is, if he comes in, he's going to forgive you. He's going to wash you. Scripture says, white as snow. I knew you'd love that illustration today. (laughs) I got to admit, uh, Friday, I I didn't want to drive anywhere. But I got to Scott's Hollow, and I almost stopped to take a picture. It was just awesome. I mean, the, the snow was stuck to the trees. And it was so bright and so brilliant. Of course, by the time I got there, the sun had come out. It was so bright and so brilliant. And I thought, you know, underneath all that is a lot of dirt. Because I remember the day before, it was pretty dirty. But when it snowed, all that was covered. And the neat thing about Jesus is he doesn't just cover that stuff. He begins to remove it from us. So that we're no longer as dirty as we were. And the closer we get to him, the more that dirt he begins to take away. So that we begin to sparkle just like that snow. 
And then he begins to use us in the midst of his kingdom. I call that amazing grace. Don't you? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You see, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. What I see is that God loves me so much that he would send his son to come into my life and give me a chance, a chance, a second chance, another chance to experience hope, forgiveness, love, joy, peace. What do you have in your life? Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not always as joyful as I am right now. And I don't always feel that peace. And quite frankly, there are times when God calls me to be a part of his story and, well, I'm too busy or, or I'm too caught up in something else. Or I don't want to do that, God. But the good news is he comes to me again. He doesn't just come once. He keeps, and because I've claimed him as my king, he says, hey, wait a minute. Who's king here? Who's really in charge? When, I, when I'm reminded of that, I say, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're in charge. And it's going to be okay. Wouldn't you like that in your life? Maybe you already have that in your life and you're facing decisions. You're like, I don't know which way to go. I want you to know that God already knows and he wants to offer you peace in that. Grab hold of his peace. Look for his hope and follow him. And you'll go the direction he's calling you to go. It's not rocket science, people. But we get caught in what if and we get caught in this emotion, fear, and we get caught in this emotion, I don't like that person. And we get caught in these other emotions that keep us from doing and being a part of his story. I pray this week that you'd look for hope, that you'd accept his peace, and that you would step out in faith and watch his amazing grace in your life. See, it's awesome what Jesus wants to do. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and for your presence here this morning. Uh, Lord, uh, we lift up to you uh, those who came this morning who are struggling because they have lost hope. Uh, maybe they've never had it. Uh, and we pray this morning that, that they would be reminded of your great love for them and that you would like to step into their lives and fill them with hope. I pray for those, Lord, this morning who are afraid, some who are afraid of tomorrow, some who are afraid of, of the decisions that they're trying to avoid, um, because they're afraid of what might happen next. Some who are afraid of losing their jobs. Lord, this morning we pray that you would step into their lives and our lives and restore your peace in our hearts. That we would remember that you are the king who comes in peace, not to condemn us, but to forgive us and to save us. We pray, Lord, this morning for those who, who are not a part of your story. They, they're trying to figure out what their story is all about, and they, they haven't heard and have yet to open up their hearts 
to your story, which would make their story so powerful. Come, Lord Jesus, and transform us that we would be more like you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.